0: Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. I'm John Jackson from William Jessup University, excited to be here with you today. We've got a great opportunity to be part of a church family that has a love for the 50 corridor. How many of you know that your address is not an accident, it's an assignment, and that's part of what God is doing at Hills Church. Just love what he is doing here, and I love uh, being with you. We have some special uh, guests out there in the lobby. We've got a Jessup table. If you want to study on ground, uh, on campus or online, if you want to study undergraduate or graduate or a hybrid of all that, we've got that available, so stop outside there in the lobby. And a special guest here today have my wife, Pam, and daughter, Jennifer, here. So thank you for being with us. So it's always great to be able to be here at Hills Church, but I want to talk to you today about a particular thing, in Luke 8, don't turn there yet, but I want to talk to you about it in the context of being uh, on a lake. How many of you have ever had the chance to sail or be uh, boating or or jet skis or anything on a lake? Have you done that before? Okay. So uh, a number of years ago, we started a church in the Carson City area, and that gave us easy access to Lake Tahoe. We used to be able to go to Lake Tahoe on a pretty regular basis, and one particular day, my brother got the great idea, wouldn't it be awesome if our whole family got on a pontoon boat? So that was awesome. Pontoon boats are those things with the big cylinders on each side. I think we had 15 to 20 people on the boat that day. It was amazing. Uh, Lake Tahoe is beautiful. The water was calm. Uh, but some of you know that in Lake Tahoe, they have these replicas of the, the uh, steamships, the, the paddle boat ships. And one of them is called the MS Dixie. Has everybody seen the MS Dixie out there in Tahoe? Well, so what happened was uh, we were doing our own business, having a good time. I think we had a barbecue on the pontoon deck. Everybody had their stuff all around, and my brother decided, yes, I'm throwing him under the bus, my brother decided wouldn't it be great if we went in the wake of the MS Dixie? Now he didn't cut it too close. We were a little bit behind, but as we as the MS Dixie passed us, there was this huge wake and we went over the wake of the MS Dixie and the pontoon boat did not react how he thought it would. And it went sort of up like this and down like this and up like this. We almost lost the barbecue into the ocean. Several pairs of shoes are in the lake, several pairs of shoes went in the lake and we're all sort of panicking, but at the end of it we had the same number of kids we started with so we were okay. And then a couple years later, we had jet skis, and my brother and I had this great idea. Wouldn't it be great to get jet skis from this side of the lake and come on over to the other side where everybody was? And so we rode the jet skis over. We had a couple of hours worth of play with the jet skis. Had to get the jet skis back. But if you know anything about Lake Tahoe, in the late afternoon, it's not uncommon for the wind to come up. And when we drove the jet skis back, the lake was not near as calm as it had been before. And it took us about 35 to 40 minutes to get across the lake. And the waves were like two feet or four feet or eight feet, whatever they were. It was just huge. And we're going like crazy. And I just remember getting to the other side where we turned in our jet skis and my arms literally shaking. My arms were shaking. It was not just because I was cold. It's because my arms were wore out from holding on so tight. I love being on a lake when it's calm. But a lake when the storm is there, a lake when the, the, the water is rough, is a hard thing. In Luke chapter 8, there's a story that tells us a little bit about this. And the reason I wanted to tell it today is that I think the time in between Thanksgiving and Christmas is an interesting time period. For some people, it's really a turbulent time period. For other people, it's a, it's a calm. So let's, let's just do a survey here. How many of you had your trees up before Thanksgiving? Had your Christmas tree up before Thanksgiving? Okay, several of you. How many of you in the audience are, are trying not to be bitter with those people who raised their hands up? Like some of you, it's December 24th, and you're still not ready for Christmas. You just This whole season is rough and turbulent and challenging. And the reality is, is that I think we all go through seasons like that, but I think this story will help every one of us in the room. Luke chapter 8 says this, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and they set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, master, master, we're going to drown. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith he asked his disciples in fear and amazement they ask one another who is this he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him i want to give you a couple challenges this morning the first is this i want to encourage you to stop reading your bible so politely i think many of us have gotten to the habit where because the bible says holy bible on the cover Because we've been to church, because we've heard Bible stories before, we read the Bible very politely. And when there are stories in the Bible that we don't understand, or things in the Bible that seem shocking to us, we read the Bible politely so that we feel like asking hard questions is inappropriate. But I got to tell you, some of you know my story. I grew up in church. Age 16, felt a call of God to be involved in pastoral ministry. And so ever since then, I've been involved in this process, and I've made a commitment several years ago to stop reading the Bible politely. In other words, I'm going to read the Bible and pray, and I'm going to say, God, when things jump out at me, I'm going to wrestle with them. I'm going to ask hard questions of the text. The Bible says hard things to me. I'm going to ask hard questions of the Bible and pray that God will speak to me in the Bible. So to be honest, as I was preparing to speak here today, and I read this passage Some things happened for me. Like when I read this, and I've read this story many times. I've taught on this passage many times. But when I read this story this particular time, my reaction was, what the heck? In fact, my reaction was not just what the heck, but I said, I have a bunch of questions. I don't know if you ever read the Bible and have questions. But I read the Bible, and I had questions. I was literally reading this in my morning devotions about uh, a month or six weeks ago. And when I read it, I I had questions that just bothered me. And so I decided I'm just going to stay in this text. I'm going to stay in this story, and I'm going to ask God some questions. So I'll I'll tell you what mine were. As I was reading the story, the first question was this. Um, Jesus asked the disciples to get in the boat, right? He asked the disciples to get in the boat. He says, let's go over to the other side. So the disciples are doing what Jesus asked them. And when he gets into the boat, it's the story says he promptly goes to sleep. Now I'm kind of a veteran of long drives. I've driven a car a lot. Just want to ask you: Does any of you, when you get in the car to drive, your passengers, if it was a long drive, your passengers go to sleep right away, and you're left to drive miles and miles and miles with people in your car fast asleep? Now, like it doesn't bother me at all. I actually enjoy driving. Have no problem with that, but. This is what happened to the disciples. Jesus wants to go to the other side, and he gets in the boat, and he goes to sleep. And they're left with the work. Now, they were experienced sailors. And as they're going across the lake, the storm comes up. So here's another question I have. If Jesus is God, right? We just sang about that. If Jesus is God come in the flesh, did he not know that there was going to be a storm on the lake? Why do you get in the boat and ask your disciples to take you to the other side when you know there's going to be a storm on the lake? Now, maybe you're too polite to ask those questions, but I'm looking at this and I'm going, what is this? He's asleep. There's a storm. What's going on? So the guys are freaking out. And as they freak out, they finally get so scared and they look and Jesus is still sleeping that they go and they wake him up. When they wake Jesus up, he gets up and goes, huh? And he commands the wind and the waves to stop. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm ever in a storm situation, that's exactly what I want God to do. If I'm in a storm situation, I want to go, hey, help me, and have God go wham and calm the seas. So that part of the story I related to, like, all right, Jesus is now fully engaged. He calmed the sea. He calmed the storm on the lake. But what happens next got me really, like, sideways. He looks at the disciples and says, what is your problem? Where is your faith? Now, again, if you're a polite reader of Scripture, maybe you didn't ask this question, but I was reading this question and going like, whoa, wait just a minute. I kind of am with the disciples on this one. You asked me to go in the boat. You're the one who knows everything. We get caught in a storm. You're sleeping. And you rebuke me for being afraid? So the end of the story is that the disciples say, kind of scratching their heads, man, who is this? Who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So I went to God. And this happened literally in my daily, like I read the Bible every day. And in my daily reading, I'm reading and I'm asking these questions. This has nothing to do with teaching a sermon somewhere. I'm reading my Bible like I do every day. I read this passage like I've read it a zillion times before. And as I read it this time, all these questions are in my head. And I'm praying. I'm saying, God, when I am in the storms of my life and I get afraid, and that happens to me a lot, I call out to God and say, God, where are you? Will you please calm the storm? And when he does, it's good. So why Jesus did you rebuke the disciples for their lack of faith? Why did you essentially say to them, do you not know who I am? So I'm praying about this and I'm praying about this. and I'm saying, what's the difference between me and the disciples? And so I'm agonizing with that because, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus and I want to be like the guys in the boat, except in this case, the guys in the boat are getting rebuked by Jesus. So I don't want that. But what's the difference between me and the guys in the boat? And what's the difference between my storms and their storms? And finally, after some prayer and consideration, this is what came to me. It's going to seem simple to you. Difference between my storms and their storms and my boat and their boat is that Jesus was in the boat. And they knew that Jesus was in the boat. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, I think we have a messed up picture of the disciples. We sort of think in some ways that as soon as they heard Jesus teach, as soon as they saw him, as soon as they watched the healing, that they immediately got it and said, yep, I'm going to follow him. That's the Messiah. But if, if you read your Bible, especially the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to find out up until the very end the disciples are still scratching their head going like, we, we see awesome, amazing things. We know this guy is, is, is he says he's the son of man. We, we, we are leaning into that. But I don't know exactly what that means. But Jesus was in the boat with them. And so the reason why Jesus rebuked them is because they knew he was in the boat. And they didn't have faith. So then I got to thinking about us, and I thought, man, we all have storms in life. We all have stuff that comes, and life's not linear, although I wish it was. Life doesn't come all scheduled. That's European for schedule. It doesn't come all scheduled. It, it doesn't come the way that we'd like it and bite sight. Life sometimes just comes at you in a flood. Sometimes the downpour of life is huge, and sometimes the, the rockiness is, is big, and sometimes the, it feels crushing. So I got to thinking about, I'm not in a physical boat, but my life often faces storms. And I got to thinking, I need to ask some, some hard questions of myself. I've been a pastor for many years, and one of the things I've observed in my life and the lives of other people is when storms and crisis come, you have a choice. You either run to God or you run from God. So what I want to do today is just ask you four simple questions. And, and I didn't make these up for a teaching. These are the four questions that I ask myself. These are the four questions where I kind of camp on. If the storm of life comes to me, and I know that Jesus is supposed to be in the boat, how do I keep my faith strong? Four questions. Here's the first one. It's what I call the salvation question. And that is, do you know Jesus? Now, you might be a little offended. Hey, you know, dude, you're, you're in a church. Like, we're here because of Jesus. You might be offended because you're watching online. Hey, I'm spending time watching online. Of course I know Jesus. But I'm convinced of this. A lot of us know about Jesus, but we don't really know Jesus. We've even studied all kinds of things, but we don't have a relationship with him. So just real quickly, a couple of verses. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The fact is, is that every one of us have messed up. And because we've messed up, we all deserve to be forever separated from God. John 1 12 says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Do you realize that, that what God is saying there is that even if you're a little or a lot messed up, and we're all some of that, that God cares so much about us that he invites you into his family. Now, some of you had to think long and hard before inviting some people to your Thanksgiving thing. And others of you had people at your Thanksgiving thing where you said, no way. No way are they related to me. But then you thought about it and thought, oh, it's by marriage. It's okay. It's not by blood. It's okay. But the reality is, is that Jesus invites everybody who opens their life to come into his family and to become a son or daughter. And then the last verse is John three sixteen and 17. And you've seen the guy with the orange hair holding up John 3:16 at a football game. Well, John 3:16 and 17 says this, God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But I always read it with verse 17 for God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If you're in a storm right now, or if you go into a storm this week or sometime in the next several weeks, you experience a storm. Let me ask you this question start with this, and this is what I always ask. Do I know Jesus? Am I really aware that Jesus is in the boat? The only difference between my story and the disciples' story is Jesus was physically in the boat with them. And I think that's why they got rebuked, is that they didn't honor and recognize the fact that Jesus, who they knew, they'd already seen him do miracles, he was in the boat. So I got to ask you this. Do you know him? If you know Jesus... That's the first place and the only place you run to in the storm. Second question. Are you living with Jesus? Are you living with Jesus? Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 and 7 says, Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. The fact is is that once you know Jesus, that you're supposed to live your life with him. But I'm convinced that some of us have Jesus in the boat, and because he's sleeping, or so we think, we go about our lives as though he was not with us. Some of us know about that. Some of us say, hey, I've been married for a lot of years, but I really just have this arrangement where I live with this person, and I don't have intimacy with this person. Some of us know Jesus, but we are not living with him oh, maybe you're going about the externals okay. Maybe you're kind of walking through the motions, but the truth is you know deep in your knower that you're not really living with Jesus. See, the Bible doesn't describe a relationship where you come to know Jesus and then you sort of put that in the safe. The Bible describes, describes a relationship with Jesus where you know him and you live it out every day. You get rooted and grounded in your faith and then you walk in his love and his kindness and through the power of his Holy Spirit and each and every day you grow to be more and more like Jesus. Some of you have been married a long time. You know this. The longer you've been with somebody, the more you're like them. That we rub off on each other. That's just the way it is. The Bible talks about friendship that way. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. The reality is, Is that the more time you spend with somebody, the more you gaze at them, the more you live with them, the more you become like them. So number one, do you know Jesus? And number two, are you living with him? Number three is an interesting one in particular for me. It says uh, the equipping question, do you know your Jesus assignment? We won't read this whole passage, but Ephesians 4, through 16 is a cornerstone passage. It tells us the role of the church. It says, God, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And the words that follow talk about being tossed to and fro in the midst of a storm, If you're in the middle of a storm, the question is, do you know Jesus? And number two, are you living with him? And number three, do you know your Jesus assignment? You know, when the church asks you to be involved in children's ministry or youth ministry or serve uh, as an usher or a greeter in the parking lot or help uh, hand out turkeys in Thanksgiving week or serve the homeless or whatever it is that the ministries of this church do, they are not asking you. They are not asking you to fill a spot. Ideally, what Hills Church is doing is equipping you so you say, look, I am this. This is my story, and I have these spiritual gifts. The Bible says God has actually given you gifts so you can serve him. Whatever your gifts are, he wants you to express that in ministry to other people. God wants you to love him and love others. And the way you do that is by being the presence of Jesus in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, and through the ministry and life of the church as you serve your community. In this case, the 50 corridor. So if you're ever in the midst of a storm... Do you know Jesus? Are you living with him? And do you know your Jesus assignment? Because your Jesus assignment will keep you focused in the midst of all the distractions and the waves and the wind. Here's the last one. Question number four. It's the ambassadorship question. Are you reconciling people to Jesus? This passage has become increasingly important to me over the years. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 20. If anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. If you're in the midst of a storm, let me ask you this. Is your focus completely on you? I know when I'm in the midst of a storm, that's where my focus often goes. But the question when I'm in the midst of the storm is, am I on mission? Am I clear that my responsibility as a follower of Jesus is to love people around me? And it's to love people around me with the revealing, redeeming, reconciling love of Jesus. The fact is, every neighborhood I'm in, I have the opportunity to be the life of Jesus. The way I treat my neighbors and my coworkers, my colleagues, and the way I treat people at the gym and the way I treat people in the various areas of life is a demonstration of the life of God in me. I can't prove this biblically. Some of you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. It was a town in the Old Testament that because of its evil, God ended up destroying them. And Abraham was standing at the gates kind of bargaining. God, if you find 50 righteous people, 40, 30, 10, he keeps bargaining down. I can't prove this biblically, but I believe it was the heart of God until the very last moment to be able to see Sodom and Gomorrah saved. Because I think it is the heart of God to see lost people reconciled to the Father. So I can't tell you about the storms of your life. I can't tell you about the journeys that you'll face, but I can tell you this, that God the Father longs to have a relationship with you. He longs to be in the boat of life so that you can know him so that you can live with him, you can be equipped for him, and that you can be an ambassador for him. We don't have time to look at the scripture, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the apostle Paul says these words, I'm concerned for you, lest somebody rob you of the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm absolutely convinced that one of the things that's a problem in the storms of life is that we've made sailing too complicated. We've made it too challenging. And the truth is, if you want to sail on the storms of life in relationship with Jesus, you need to press in to knowing him. You need to live with him and walk with him. He'll give you grace in your assignment and he will help you be a part of reconciling others to him. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. As you do, it's been my prayer that somebody in this room today would say, man, man, Here's the truth, I I, I actually don't know Jesus. Maybe you've been to church for years, maybe this is your first time. But the honest to goodness truth about your life is that you don't really know him. You don't really have clarity about who Jesus is. And today can be the day. Today can be the day where you say, look, I, I wanna make a decision right now. Maybe you've had the experience of being in the midst of a storm and just crying out to God and wondering where God was during the storm. I want you to hear this. God loves you. He loves you. And maybe this is your day. All you gotta do is say, Jesus, I wanna turn over the control of my life to you. I wanna thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I wanna thank you for making me brand new. Jesus, I surrender the control of my life to you. I've also been praying that some of us who've been living with him, or at least been thinking we were, some of us who didn't know our real assignment, that today would be the day where we would say, man, in the midst of whatever storms come in my life, I wanna live with Jesus. I wanna be equipped for Jesus. And that the testimony of your life might be that no matter what storms come or no matter what placid water comes, that Jesus is in the boat of your life. And therefore you are not afraid. And lastly, I've been praying for this whole church. I've been praying for there to be a movement where we'd have a passion to see people be reconciled to God. There are some people in your life, family members, neighbors, friends, co-workers who their hearts are very far from God. But this is the day. This is the day where you get to commit yourself wholeheartedly and say I want to be an ambassador. I want to be a reconciler. So Holy Spirit throughout this room there are men and women watching online there are men and women who are saying look I I have been in the middle of storms. And the boat of my life has been so topsy-turvy and sometimes it's even capsized. But Jesus, I've been in the storms of my life and I've been in those storms of life without you in the boat. And I don't wanna do that anymore. I wanna know you. I wanna live with you. I wanna be equipped for you. And I wanna be an ambassador for you. So Holy Spirit, would you move throughout this place? Draw us close to you. Help us to see you, hear you, walk with you. And thank you, Jesus, that you get in the boat and we don't have to sail across this lake on our own. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.